Wait, 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 wait. This is my podcast, and I do introductions for a living. I don't need the big voice. Uh, I can handle it from here. Hit the music. Yeah, see, I mean, you're being too selfless here, Fargo. I mean, come on. So one time I was working for the pickle. Welcome to the very first episode of the Matt Fargo Show. I am Matt Fargo. Thanks for clicking on this wherever you may be. And I've wanted to do this podcast for a long time and the world that we're currently living in um, has allowed me to and pushed me to decide to do it. So um, for those of you that know me, thanks for stopping in. And for those of you that don't, um, broad, sports broadcaster based out of Pittsburgh, uh, been the public address announcer for the Harlem Globetrotters for the last four seasons and just stepped away from uh, the Globetrotters weeks uh, prior to um, this all happening with the quarantine. And now there are no games being played. Um, and freelance for about everybody at some point, one point or another, um, when you're in this business, um, as those of you that are, um, or those of you that follow it know that you kind of end up working for everybody and anyone, um, when you're freelance. So I've done things, uh, pretty much for all of the, uh, abbreviations, uh, both locally in Pittsburgh and, and nationally. It was a content producer at USA Today for a time and, uh, worked with the folks at CBS and Max Preps. So kind of been everywhere and, I feel like throughout the the podcast duration, you'll you'll be able to for the those of you that don't know, um, learn a little bit about me and my past. Uh, show's not going to be about me, but about what's going on. And uh, we got some pretty cool guests lined up to give you maybe an inside look that and go a little bit deeper than um, you can on regular radio and sports talk where you really need to kind of scratch the surface. I guess everyone's trying to uh, peel back the layers and figure things out now. But my first guest is Wes Yoler. He was uh, with me with Champ Sports Network, a company that I started when I was 17 years old. Um, He jumped on I want to say it was in 2012, 2013, uh, when Wes jumped on and um, has had a really great career for himself, uh, worked at the Fan in Philadelphia for a number of years and was the voice of the Youngstown Phantoms and the USHL, uh, a Mars guy, a WVU guy, a Pittsburgh guy, um, and it's uh, pretty fitting for him to be my first guest. So when we come back, Wes Euler joins me on the first edition of the Matt Fargo Show. Stick around. Back to the show, my guest for this first episode, the inaugural episode of the Matt Fargo Show. He is a Camp Sports Network alumni. So I wouldn't want to have it other any other way. From Steelers Nation Radio, ESPN Pittsburgh, and iHeart Radio, Wes Euler joins me. Wes, how's it going? I mean, buddy, you really start with the A list of guests here. I mean, you can't, <laughs> you can't can't get any better from this point. No, I am. Uh, I'm happy during this. Uh, you know, this time of quarantine to uh, kind of get lost in some sports talk here with you for, for a little bit. So I'm, I'm glad we're doing this, man. It's, it's a good time for you to be starting a podcast, that's for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the goal, and hopefully it uh, can take uh, people's minds off of things. But 
you mentioned quarantine. You were like literally in quarantine as far as away from your job. Uh, what's what's going on with that? Yeah, so to kind of, I mean, I don't want to bore too much. To, <laughs> I don't want to bore everybody, but basically, long story short, what happened was my wife and I had a vacation planned two weeks ago. Um, what, that would have been the week of March 9th? Uh, March 8th or March 9th, something like that was, was the Monday, I believe. Uh, my wife and I had a vacation planned for a long time. That's usually when we vacation because of our work schedules. Um, it's tough for me with Steelers, OTAs, and mini camp and training camp and all that. It's tough for me to vacation during the summertime. Uh, so we, quite often, my wife and I take our vacation uh, after the combine in March, which is what we did again this year. We were in Siesta Key. Uh, when we got there, everything was still kind of normal. The NBA and the NHL hadn't canceled yet. Uh, conference tournaments and March Madness hadn't canceled yet. Uh, but while we were down there was kind of when all the craziness happened. Uh, we came home on Sunday, March 15th, which would be eight days ago at this point. And so, uh, yeah, through work, which, uh, again, I, I think it's a smart decision. Uh, but I wasn't the only one. Um, people who had traveled on aircrafts that week um, are kind of being asked to quarantine from work. So I am on uh, starting, what, day eight here at home. So I'm still able to do a little bit through work, uh, but obviously not doing my regular on-the-air stuff like that. Um, so I am kind of going stir-crazy in that regard. Uh, but at the same time, eight days now, uh, my wife and I both have felt completely fine, no symptoms, nothing like that. Uh, but still obviously being extra cautious. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're just doing our part, Matt, trying to social distance. And uh, like I said, it's, it's good to be able to uh, to chat here with you and have uh, some retor- return to normalcy. Right. And I mean, for you, a lot of people ask you to social distance in general. So it's, it's not that much different for you, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, nobody <laughs> wants to be around me anyways. I mean, you know, no one wants to be around me. All I do is just talk about WVU sports. And yeah, see, uh, I mean, what, we're like five minutes in anyway. and he's already mentioned WVU. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I had to bring it up somehow. Come on, babe. Absolutely. Well, we'll get there. Uh, uh, I think, you know, obviously to, to talk about the obvious before we get into the light stuff, uh, what, an unprecedented time that we're living in. Obviously, it, it kind of sparked my um, long wanting, but uh, I guess uh, laziness to start the podcast. But uh, just a crazy time. Yeah, it's bizarre, man, because obviously there's been times where the world has kind of shut down and slowed down before, but not when, I mean, geez, just the magnitude of entertainment and connectivity that we have now. Um I mean, it's nuts. It's like nothing that's ever happened before. Uh, I mean, it's it's really weird. Just sports completely shut down, kind of the entertainment world completely shut down, um, restaurants, bars. It's bizarre, man. And I think what's craziest about it, Matt, is that, like, when all this hap- really started going down, like, two weeks ago, we were like, all right, well, you know, it's cool. Like, let's just – let's all slow down. Let's shut down for a couple weeks. We'll be good. And it was like, all right, well, you know, all right, maybe end of um, end of April, end of May, all right, uh, Cinco de Mayo, Memorial Day, we'll be good. Now, you and I were just talking before we started here, like July fourth. <laughs> can I set the over under for return to normalcy? Like July fourth, maybe that's even too soon. Yeah, uh, this is bizarre, man. I think we are fortunate in a way that, like, if this is kind of our generation's thing, it could be much worse, right? At least we're like not being called to war or something like that. Um, but I do think along with September 11th, right? Like this and September 11th will probably be the things that when you and I are 60, 70 years old and we're grandparents, right? And our, our kids, our grandkids have school assignments 
and they want to come home and talk to grandma and grandpa about where were you and what do you remember September 11th. You know, I think that this whole uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 quarantine time, I, dude, I think, you know, 30, 40 years from now, the younger generations, 50 years from now are going to be wanting to ask us, what was that like? Because it's, it, it's incredibly unique. We've, we've had viruses, we've had pandemics, but not at a time like this where people are so connected, society's so connected, sports and work are such a huge part of our lives and our identity. And it's like, it's just an, 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 a pause button when you don't know. It's like an indefinite pause button. It's, yeah. just, it's bizarre, man. Yeah, someone hit pause and then lost the remote. And we have no <laughs> idea where. We have no the, idea batteries, where. the batteries ran out and like, you know, like, you're trying to figure out if you got any double. The thing is, you mentioned being connected. And that's almost such a double-edged sword because it's a good thing that we are connected because we can do stuff like this. Like if this yes. happened 25 years ago, no chance. Like you know, you you had television. That was it. Like there was, and there was, you had like what 50 channels on te- 40, 50 channels on TV. Not you know everything. Maybe on, not everything. Right. Yeah, right. Not everything on demand like it is now. Exactly. This would have probably sucked a lot more 20 years ago. You're right, because our entertainment options would have been so much less. You were dusting off the DVDs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm still, I busted out the Nintendo 64 the other day. There you but, that's, go. but that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I think in a way, it's like, it's, it's a double-edged sword where the connectivity and all that that we have to occupy our mind now is a blessing. It keeps us maybe from going as stir-crazy. But at the same time, like 15 years ago, it would have been a lot easier for everybody to stay at home because they wouldn't be so used to sharing their everyday life on social media, you know, 24-7. Yeah, but I think it also maybe that's a, you know, a moment of reflection to like step back. And when everything's stripped away, when you can't post that picture of you on the beach that gets all the likes, like, what do you have? What do you have left? Who do you have around you? Like, that is something that. Maybe you know, people take maybe we do need to slow down in, in this. And I think it's 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 good in a way of like showing you what you really need versus what you really just want to do. Those sure. those two team things tend to be different. Oh, yeah, man. It, you're right. We could talk about the consequences all day, but maybe that like there's going to be silver linings, too. Yeah. And, and hopefully you're right. That certainly is one that that we realize that you know, the people that we care about and the things that are really essential to life and the people who make those things happen, right? That we normally crap on and that normally are like begging for some type of attention and work conditions and salary bumps, right? Like people who work healthcare workers and grocery store workers and truck drivers and all these people, like hopefully we'll have more of an appreciation for, for, for those type of people too. I, I know, you know, teachers and there's a lot of different tiers of, of what I just hit on there. Yeah. The energy field who are keeping all of our lights and our power on now yep. and our, our broadband and our streaming so that we can all sit around and watch Netflix and not go insane. Like there's a lot of different people to thank. Um, but I think we've also learned Matt, uh, there's a lot of people that are essential employees that we don't necessarily treat like essential employees. Maybe that's where I'm going with all this. For sure. Hopefully, hopefully that changes too. Someone, someone said to me recently, uh, you know, isn't this a great example of why we still need box stores? Right. Wow. Right. Like, yeah. Like Amazon can't take over the world just yet. Yep. Because not know, so fast, we, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, seriously. Because I mean, if you, if we fast forward 20 years from now, this doesn't happen. I mean, dog stores are going out by the droves right now. And I mean, going out and closing for good, mm-hmm. you know, th- it, 
you know, people are more and more inclined to, to ordering their groceries online and doing those things. But if something like this ever happens again, you know, you hope that you're more prepared. But the reality is those those stores can't go away. What if it happens 40 years from now and, and there's going to be less and less strip malls and, right. and, and convenience stores and pharmacies? And because, I mean, let's not be naive here. Everything you just said is 100 percent true. But you and I both know. Is two dudes who are still in our twenties, like late twenties, but twenties still. Absolutely. Uh, like, it's it's not going the other way. You don't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah. Like, it's we're only going to become more reliant on the Amazon lifestyle of things just being shipped right to our door. Man, you're right. What if this happens again in 40, 50 years, and and, and there's even less of the kind of local community uh, infrastructure there? Cool. Yeah. That's yeah. That's scary. Um, I think. We'll, we'll have to wait and see what how that all plays out as far as when will we when will we have another when will there be another game played when will we get to watch live sporting event? Dude, I'm yeah. telling you, I really think the over under is July. Like, I think it maybe starts with a baseball game on July 4th. Yeah, but then again, if we get to the point where you couldn't play baseball until July 4th in a league that was supposed to start this week, right? Right. I mean, dude, that's a that's three and a half months almost to make up. That's over three months to make up. Can baseball even have a season if they can't come back till July fourth? What are they going to do? Play eighty game season? Right. And I think that's definitely possible. That would be electric baseball, dude. Uh, eighty game be. season. That would be electric. And I think that it would uh, for for Pittsburgh fans. I think that it would only help the Pirates. Oh, every team would be in the race mathematically. Right. Anybody can make the playoffs. Right. All you and gotta I do know. is play like a month of good baseball, and you're right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think that that that. I mean, and the good news is for the Pirates too. Like you know, they're getting some time to get some of their guys back. Stephen Brault coming off injury, Chad Cool coming off injury. So, like those guys being back in the rotation now, that probably right. wouldn't have been on. You know, I think that's also ironic. We're like. A year ago, this time I was on your show. How how crazy is that? That's I was right. on your show for opening day. Uh, I was filling in for Stan Savern that day. That's right. Yeah, yeah. How about that? And I when I mean, it's right, I had you on live from uh, the North Shore, right? You were out, yeah, you were right. out there tailgating in that. For the I was Buc-Gays, in PNC. I was actually Buc-Gays doing game. it. Yeah, I was inside PNC, Dude, like trying if, to stay away from the crowd. You're talking about injury recoveries too. What if like hockey doesn't come back till May, and it's just like they start the playoffs right away? And Jake Gensel's back for the Penguins. Game changer. Absolutely. There's no question. There's or no they, question. it starts in May and they play like eight games, right? And then go right. to the playoffs. Or they play like six games and then go in the playoffs. And the Penguins get Jake Gensel back. Like, game changer. <laughs> it's going to be the year with the asterisk on it forever. Um, yeah, that's, there's no doubt about that. And it will, it will change. It will certainly change the dynamic. I mean, we could take it all the way down. It's the five-year anniversary of you and I calling a PIAA basketball championship when Lincoln Park won. Yeah, that does not and seem like five years ago. That's wild. Five years ago. Can you believe that? And then this is the 100th. This is supposed to be the 100th anniversary of the PIAA basketball championships in Hershey. And I know that they want to get them in. And they're, they're three games out. They're supposed to play the quarterfinals. Um, and you got a handful of area teams, including Timmy McConnell's Chartiers Valley Lady Colts, that are trying to go yep. for a second consecutive perfect season. That's not that's up in the air. Like dang, I mean, just you feel for every single senior, both who plays bat, who's still playing basketball, and 
the the spring sport you know players that are that are potentially not going to have a season at all. Yeah, yeah, we should talk about that for sure. I before we get into some of those specifics though, you're right, man. For all the seniors that play a sport, I don't care if it's high school or college, if if whatever, if it's D one or if it's low level. Uh, like man that just that sucks like to get that whether it whether it was you know you're someone like wrestling or basketball where your season was cut short at kind of the uh, right when it was getting good right when you were getting to the point that you that you play and you train all season for or you're a, a true spring sport you know like baseball or track things like that lacrosse that that your season is just getting completely scrapped man that sucks uh, for high school seniors who are who, you know, are never going to play again in college. For college seniors who are never going to play pro. Yep. That's and then you take it to the next level and you say, how do you feel about spending the last four years of your life preparing for the most momentous, monumental moment of your life, and the potential of that being taken away from you in the pending of whether or not the Olympics are going to be played or not. Oh. Dude, these people in the Olympics that have spent literally decades training for some of them just one event, some of them for one week, you know, for a couple right. weeks. But like, dude, ugh, this thing again. That's why this is this is never. I mean, we've had things. I mean, what like the, the Olympics in the '80s were postponed due to the Cold War, yeah. um, and things like that. But it, nothing like this, man. Where it's it's something that's still so largely unknown. I guess the Cold War and things like that are to an extent too, obviously as well. But dude, I'm telling you, we're going to be talking about this for a long time. And what's something too, like this is a total different tangent, and we don't have to get into this because this would this could be like a 15, 20 minute discussion. But I think <laughs> it could shift, it could shift to to bring this back to a sports conversation, which is really you and I's bread and butter. Uh, I think this could shift how a lot of the sports leagues operate and 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 things like that in the future like dude i think if the nba comes back here in the summertime the nba will change their schedule forever because they'll look around and they'll realize like wait why do we start in the beginning of october when we have to compete with football for five months you know like why 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 wouldn't we not push our season back let's start our season on christmas day every year we'll continue to own christmas we'll start our season on christmas day we'll play into june or july right before training camp and we'll dominate baseball with with the NBA playoffs, and we barely have to compete with football at all. That's like, a great I, point. I really think this could shift a lot of to get back into more sporty sports discussion. Yeah. I really, I really think that this could shift how a lot of leagues do business too. Like, I think if the NBA plays in the summertime this year and has their championship in the summer, they will dominate the sports calendar attention. Especially now too, I'm sure you saw uh, the European soccer championships were canceled this summer. Yeah. And and Europe, you know, Europe is, is getting more and more into basketball by the year with no European soccer championships. Man, if you have the NBA championships on during the summer when there's no soccer, it'll dominate in Europe, too. It, it could change everything. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the NBA has already uh, said that, you know, they want to they've been exploring international options. They've continued to continuously done that. So if they could they position themselves in a, in a spot where they can pretty much be the end all be all, or at least being the biggest dog in the barn. I, I think that that's probably uh, something that they'll definitely at least take a look at. Yeah, I mean, it makes all kinds of sense to me. It does. It really, it really does. That's a, that's I know a you scary can, thought. You could raise the issue of stadium availability, but now that's all in flux anyways. If you're going to reset that, now's the time to do it anyways, right? <laughs> right. No question about that. All these, all these arenas are sitting empty anyways. 
Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get Wes's take on the Steelers' uh, moves this offseason. The NFL has really been the one side of things that has kept moving with everything else paused. And Wes Yoler from ESPN Pittsburgh joins me on the Matt Fargo Show. We will be right back. Ready to make a move? Move with Mara. There's no one more trusted in the Pittsburgh area than Deanna Mara with Howard Hanna Real Estate Services. Deanna knows the area and specializes with homes of distinction. Whether you're looking to buy a home or sell your current one, call Deanna Mara with Howard Hanna Real Estate Services. Call her at 412-400-6481. All right, welcome back to the show. Wes Yoder joins me from Steelers Nation Radio. And uh, Wes and I go back a, a long ways now, back to the Champ Sports Network days. Uh, owned a lot of games with Wes. Wes, do you have a, a favorite Champ Sports Network memory? Man, what we were talking about earlier, just I think in general, that time when you and I spent what was out in Hershey uh, calling the state championship, the PIAA state championship, uh, boys and girls basketball yep. games man that was a lot of fun we got some great finishes um i think there was what there was a south fayette game where we had almost like a like a rim out buzzer beater type moment uh obviously the epic lincoln park comeback uh that was a lot of fun and then i feel like there was a time too where right after i, I don't remember who they were playing but you and i called a north catholic game that i remember well it was shortly after north catholic moved up here uh, to Cranberry, which obviously you know for me, a Mars guy, five minutes away from, from where I grew up and where I live now. Um, I remember it was in the middle of a snowstorm, and so I think it was a last-minute thing, too. I think you called me and were like, hey, like I was just wondering, like I could use a color guy. Like, Are you around? And I was like, yeah, I can make it. It's five minutes away, and it was a great game. It was one of their first games in their new uh, gym. But if you, if you had to make me uh, pick one, those, when, we, when we covered those, uh, those state tournament out in Hershey and I got those milkshakes at Chocolate World, baby. That was a, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> those are good. That's that's what I look forward to out there. Yeah, I think the other game that we did was Newcastle capping the perfect season. Oh, that was a great one too. Yeah, see, I knew with with Malik Hooker, I knew I was getting yeah. something. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Newcastle, that game was just, you know, it was kind of funny. I don't even know if you know this, but I found on I think it's on YouTube still that the Newcastle boosters or whoever, you know, supports their basketball. They used a lot of our calls for their like highlight reel that they showed at their banquet, which I thought was pretty cool. I never saw any royalties for that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, that is cool. That's awesome. I thought it was kind of neat. Is it like on YouTube or anything? I I think it's on YouTube still. Yeah. Okay. Might have to to check that out. No, that was, that was a lot of fun too, because I'm sure as you remember, I think I think the entire town of Newcastle traveled to Hershey that, that particular day. Yes. Dude, they, like a third of they had like a third of the stadium. It was nuts. Right. <laughs> and the giant center literally. too. Not like a high school gym, like the giant center. Right, you're right. And like they were all kind of in that corner because it was cheaper to be in the corner than it was to be in like the the right, right in front there. It was almost like they were like a college hockey student section was maybe yeah. the best one or like a college basketball student section yep that's like behind one hoop but they just had like the, the whole, whole like the whole third of the like behind the hoop and then the, all the sections beside that too were just all black and black and red yeah that's funny 
Um, no, no doubt. I, I don't know that I, 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 I don't know that I could out. Where's the that. coolest place you've ever called a game? Because man, you've been all over. Oh man. That... Oh, and, and I'll include obviously doing, doing PA for, for the, for the Globies and, and that as well too. Um, the, the, I, I want to say Madison square garden. That's, I, I feel like that's like the, the, what I should say. Um, because it's the, you know, the world's most famous arena. It literally says it on their, on their floor and on their, on their court. So, and obviously that's like the epicenter of entertainment, but the, the, the rebel in me wants to go a different direction. My first tour with the Globetrotters ended in Dubai. Um, I did Israel, Bahrain, and then Dubai, my first tour with them. And it ended at the Dubai tennis stadium in an outdoor stadium with like 25,000 people in this outdoor stadium. And it was just like, and, and at the end of the game, I went out to center court and took a picture with the whole team and like the, the stands were still packed and everything. And, and like, it was just, it was just like one of those moments where I was like, wow, like this is real. Like it, it like it was that pinch me moment. Right. And, and at MSG, MSG was just last year, I want to say 20. I think it was actually December of 2018 was when I did MSG. Okay. okay. So a little so, over a year. So, yeah. Um, and I think uh, it was just, it was obviously an incredible experience to do, but I thought it was just so much more like it was another game uh, as far as like doing a game where the, the Globetrotter thing was so fresh to me when I was still in, when I was in Dubai and I was still on my first tour and everything. I just think that that's probably, Yeah. Yeah, that's. I I know that probably is a half answer, but that's what. No, I'm that's cool. <laughs> that's no, that's sweet. Uh, that totally makes sense, and I, like I get why part of you feels like it should be MSG, but that's a really good alternate reason. Yeah, mine but, would be. What, uh, so where's yours? Yeah, mine's a uh, Veterans Coliseum in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, yeah. When I was working for the Phantoms, uh, that is where the University of Wisconsin used to play hockey. Um, and the Miracle on Ice team did a lot of their training there. Um, and uh, I'm forgetting his first name now, uh, but it's Ryan Suter's dad, Bob Suter, right? I think is his name, um, actually owned the building and he was on the Miracle on Ice team. Um, and so they had like a whole kind of like exhibit thing there. Um, so that might be mine, you know, calling a game at, at the Veterans Coliseum in Madison, Wisconsin, where the Miracle on Ice team practiced um what would certainly be a sweet one and then dude there were a couple of sweet like they they weren't even you know not for the spectacle of them but just really cool like ten thousand seat arenas that we i called hockey games in working in the ushl you know what i mean like yeah i know i know you know this like those those ten thousand seat arenas that just rock you know yeah. what i mean like you get ten thousand people in there and it sounds like game seven of the stanley cup final like you right. know in a small town on a friday night like for sure i mean yeah. like the Matheny field house in uh, in beaver falls that was yes. really you know birthplace of college basketball obviously that's, that's a good one too yeah but you know the gym, the gym that actually took place uh, is it's actually still there it's just not where they currently play and uh and yeah, the, doing games for like Beaver Falls Aliquip in the playoffs. Beaver Falls Aliquip, like those, you know, there's seven thousand people and it's just rocking. And right, um, I mean, I think I, got I to, did. Oh, Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say I got to call uh, a soccer game too at Franklin Field when I was working in Philly. 
and oh, Franklin shit. Fields, like where the original Penn Relays were, wow. and you know, like where Chuck Bednarik won the world championship with the Eagles, you know, before it was the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, that's that's. Uh, I, I mean, the, the, you know, the Phillies played there for a while, so that that'd be another. That was a, that was a cool one. Yeah, and I mean, any of the, I mean, obviously the one games at Heinz. I mean, you know, all all of those games have you know different levels. When uh, a good friend of ours, uh, well, Josh Taylor. Another champs guy. Yep. Um, Josh and I, when Josh and I did two years ago, when we did television and radio for the Whitfield Championships, where mm-hmm. we literally did play by play on radio for the Whitfield Championships, and then for the halftime, would take our headsets off, run across the press box into the That's TV, right. booth, and then do the halftime show, and then go back and finish doing second half, and then go back to the TV booth to do post game and preview the next game to only come back and start doing broadcasting again. That was one of the craziest uh, things. Josh and I still like, you know, we, we looked at each other throughout that day. Like we're actually pulling this off. Like, and I honestly thought no one knew, like, I don't, I don't think the radio station knew. And I don't think the TV station knew what we were doing. It was, it was one of those things where we were like, we're going to pull it off and no one's going to know. That's like how, how accountants feel on tax day is how I imagine you feel on, on, on Whippeal Championship Day for football. You are the right. hardest working man in the world on that day, my friend. It, it, it's, a, it's a fun day, but uh, yeah, that was, that was special, especially to do with Josh and Charlie ended up coming on there. We just, you know, there's, you should have been there. It would have been a champ. I should have been there. Champs. Come on. But hey, uh, I, I have a quick question for you, all right, that I wanted to float to you before I forget, before we like get into some, I know you want to talk some Steelers here. Yeah. Okay, I got a would you rather for you, all right, with all this stuff that's going on right now. Uh, and I, I put this out on Twitter on a poll. Would you rather, like, sports come back sometime this week or at the end of this week, right, but a team that you really hate wins a championship? So, like, sports come back, Matt, but, I don't know, the Flyers win the Stanley Cup or, like, WVU for you wins the national championship, <laughs> wins March Madness. Right. So, so like for me, it'd be like the Flyers, like sports come back, but the Flyers win the Stanley Cup or the Capitals win the Stanley Cup, you know, or, or sports come back and Duke wins the, the wins March Madness or something like that. Yeah. Or, or keep sports on hold for a few more months and not witness a team that you hate win the championship. <laughs> Which would you rather? <laughs> oh, that is tough. Um, and I, for the record, I love to hate WVU because you love to love WVU. I really don't. I, have, know. Like, I, I, know. I really I do. Know. I, you know, I don't have an. Uh, you know, I, if you had to make me pick, Pitt would have most most certainly. And hopefully, I'm excited for that rivalry to come back so we can have you know these these good I know. I think discussions. What, two, more, two or two or three more years, it's back right. in football. Um. So I, I'm looking forward to that. But I I needed to state that for the record. But. Oh, you know what? I mean, I, I, I just, yeah, I could deal with, I don't think, well, I mean, I, obviously the Penguins have a really good shot at winning, I think, and especially really good shot if Gensel's back. Yeah. Um, or when, like if they, you know, as you kind of laid out earlier, um, the potential of him being back from the playoffs if it goes that way. Um, but yeah, I, I would say sports come back. I'm, I'm okay with, you know, I I think it's you're not as much of a hater as me as Matt Fargo. You know, you're not as much of a <laughs> hater as I am. You got a much kinder heart. Is that it? I I just think that like, it, are we talking sports come back when in a month? Okay, I could deal with another month. But are we talking like July Fourth, like you were saying earlier? Then no, I I, I need sports back. I, I think we all do. 
it, it, I think it would help get our minds, even quite honestly, even if we were playing without fans and we just got these things on TV to, for, you know, people to watch. Right. But, um, but yeah, I, I think for the, I'm, I'm thinking for the country, maybe not for, for Matt Fargo, but I'm thinking for the country. Maybe we'll run for political. <laughs> oh, office. you're so kind. You're so kind. <laughs> See, I'm just waiting it out. Then there's no way the Flyers, the Capitals win the Stanley Cup. You know, we're, we're all good. The Flyers, like, I don't know what would be worse in that situation, the Flyers winning or the, the Capitals going back. Uh, like, I would say the Flyers just because Yeah. at least the Capitals, yeah, I mean, the Capitals getting a second one would be insufferable. But the pain, you know, Sid and Gino would still have three, and they would have two, you know. But man, the the Flyers did it. Cool, that'd be that'd be rough. And you yeah. know, too. My, my my wife's from Philly, so I mean, you know, for me right. personally, I'm gonna be selfish here. That would be a living hell, you know, because she'd be she'd be dancing on the couch and rubbing it in my face. So, yeah, I think well, I'd, if, if you know, a gun to my head, you got to pick one. I think I'd rather the Caps win their second. But oh man, I'm getting the shivers just thinking about it. <laughs> Um, you're the you're Steelers insider here. We'll, we'll have to get your take on this. That Giuliano's restaurant in Robinson, I don't know if you're familiar, on, on Steubenville Pike. It's an Italian restaurant pizza place. Um, ben Roethlisberger just bought a bunch of gift cards to keep Giuliano's open because they were headed towards not yes. being able to stay open. I have heard this too. So how about that? That's one that's incredible, and that's what – I guess to bring this conversation full circle, right, to where we started, people who – you know, to, to uh, you never want to talk about somebody else's money or tell people how to spend that, right? The two things you – it's like the golden – the golden – it's not the golden rule, but the two things <laughs> that you never it's – it's a saying like similar to the golden rule. You never, Two things you never tell people what to do is how to spend their money and how to raise their kids. Is that right? like the bronze rule then? <laughs> <laughs> Two things, two things you never tell somebody is how to spend their money and how to raise their kids. Uh, yeah. But I think you like to see people who, you know, have uh, more disposable income than the average American. You yeah. like to see people like that um, giving back and doing more during times like this. Obviously, if you're talking that kind of an amount from Ben, that's obviously a, a, a decent amount of zeros involved, I would imagine. Um, so that, that's, that's just, I mean, I don't care how much money you're, you're worth to, to donate that much money is, is just fantastic. That's what you need during times like this, but it also begs another quick side question, Mr. Fargo, if you had the money and money was no object and you could save one, what one restaurant would you save? Well, I think the, the obvious answer for anybody who knows me and how much I, frequent there and how good they've been to me I, for Manny's would be the first and I think I could go down to Pittsburgh history as a hero if I had to save for Manny Brothers and I was the one who did right and see my answer would be like Moe's too but let's okay. so let's go non g- give me a local one right so a non-chain you got to go non-chain that now I now you got me thinking and I mean I should play if they if, if it's someplace like right like Fiori's oh they have two restaurants in Pittsburgh I'll right. allow that I'll allow that Okay. I think mine would be like my two pizza shops, man. Adrian's Pizza in Wexford and Luciano's Pizza here in Mars. Well, Ben saved, like, I really like Giuliano's Sicilian Pizza, a big fan of theirs. So I, Ben saved them, so I'm good. Um, so now, I, now I'm like, well, where, where, did mine, where does mine end up? Maybe on, uh, on my short list of considerations, too, would be Piper's Pub. I love that's it. a good one dude I, good one. I, it's a good thing matt that i live 25 30 minutes away from the south side because if i didn't i would be at piper's pub every weekend for the, <laughs> for, for, the for the football there you go 
Uh, yeah, maybe maybe Mario's. Can I just say Mario's? Because, yeah, again, absolutely. I think I could end up being a Pittsburgh hero by saving Mario's. Like, I I'm, guess, I don't know, Fatheads kind of breaks my my guidelines of because technically Fatheads has multiple restaurants right. in different states. But, like, Fatheads would be a one for me that I would step in to save if I had the money and they needed the help. I, again, I'm Love going that with place. what the I'm going with what the general public would want me to do rather than what I would want to do. Yeah, see, I mean, you're being too <laughs> selfless here, Fargo. I mean, come on. Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> I see, but that's why that's why you and I make good radio. <laughs> see, that's the difference between the moon and the Mars. <laughs> We're left brain and right brain here. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, what do you what do you make of uh, uh, Ben as far as? Yeah, what he's doing obviously with Juliano's is great, but um, is he going to do great things this year? Yeah, and that's the that's obviously the uh, to quote your buddy Jim Justice the sixty the big sixty four dollar question. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't think he needs to do great things though this year, Matt. I think he just needs to do good things, above average things. Um, is the Steelers' defense, what was the final number last year? Was it 33 turnovers they forced? Yeah. 35 turnovers? Something crazy like that? Are they going to put up that number again? Probably not. Um, but can they land somewhere in the middle, right? Two years ago, they had 15. Last year, they had 33, 35, something like that. Can they get 25? Can they get, you know, 24, 26 turnovers? If the defense can do that and the offense can score 21 points again, I know – you know, back in the Killer B era, the thing that Ben would always say is, I, I want to score 30 points a game. That's my goal, 30 points right. a game. Man, if they can get 21, uh, they, if they can get a, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, if they can get a 7, 7.5 out of Ben, Matt, I, I really think that's going to be enough. They were, they were getting 4s and 5s out of Mason Rudolph and Doc Hodges, and, and they sometimes less than that, and they, right. were, winning, and they were winning in football games last year. Um, I do think completely expecting the defense to be, man, is, is to steal a Tomlinism, right? As many splash plays as they made last year. I think to expect the defense to have, to score as many touchdowns as they did last year and to force in the 30s amount of turnovers again, that might be asking for a little bit too much. That's hard to repeat on a year to year basis. But I, I, I do think the low scoring that we saw. I do think the improvement, the uptick from the 15 turnovers two seasons ago, if the defense can kind of find water right at, at a higher level um, and the offense can, can just get <laughs> a, a, a full step, you know, a, a yardstick better than they were last year, not some astronomical improvement, but, but just a, a full step better than they were last year. I, I think there's no reason that the Steelers team can't, win the division, be right there with Baltimore, uh, have the capability to win some playoff games and, and onward from there. Well, I agree with you. I, I mean, expecting the defense to do what they did, it really just was a great timing thing as far as um, them stepping up in the season that they absolutely had to, or, or you know, Miami would have a lot better draft pick right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I think that that was – you know, a, a great timing thing. And I think it also, and, you know, this is coming from the outside, uh, really set, seemed to invigorate Tomlin in the sense of really coaching and really getting down to fundamentals and yes. and not having all the tools and, and getting rid of, and I'm sure he doesn't, he personally doesn't listen to, but to me, the people that were out there that were still out there that were saying that Tomlin won the Super Bowl that he did, 
with Cowers players is just an asinine statement. Yeah, Still, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate that. And and I think that I think that it's gone now. That that argument can can forever be gone because Mike Tomlin won with a skeleton offense and and built a, a defense backup that, quite frankly, was lackluster the years prior. So, especially in the turnover department. Right. Right. And I think that's where it's impressive too. Even if you you know if you look at those last what was it seven games of the season. Uh, you, especially if you take the Cardinals game out of there, they weren't forcing the crazy amount of turnovers that they were in the first half of the season. You know, they were like three against Seattle, five against San Francisco. I mean, you know what I mean? Like they were uh, a lot of their uh, – Mika Fitzpatrick had seven turnovers in his first seven games and then one in his last seven games. And that was not – I'm not saying that as an indictment on Minka. I think it was indicative of the defense as a greater picture where – you know, some of these teams, uh, you could be, you could see it at the offensive coordinators. Their game plan for the Steelers, the staffs were getting together. You know, on what on Tuesdays and Wednesdays when they're installing their game plan ahead of the Steelers, and they're saying, guys, if we don't turn the ball over, like we got a really good chance to win this game. You know, yeah. <laughs> like like you saw that against the Buffalo Bills and against the New York Jets and the games at the end of the season where the Steelers really struggled because teams weren't taking any risks they were just waiting for the Steelers to make a mistake on offense they were just waiting for that short field and teams knew that if we score 17 points we've got a really good chance to win this game you know what if we got to punt the ball away that's fine just live to fight another down don't give the Steelers a short field don't let them score any any points on defense don't let them Deontay Johnson punt return to the house that blew the game open against the Cardinals we can't let that happen and that really handcuffed the Steelers down the, the stretch at the end of the season. But despite all these things, Matt, right, a really a roller coaster type season for the Steelers. You, you lose your quarterback, your franchise guy, future Hall of Famer, six quarters into the season. Uh, Mason Rudolph, who was your third stringer right out of training camp, because don't forget about Josh Dobbs, you, you guy who you, you were in training camp with is your third string quarterback, gets knocked out against uh, the Ravens. You're down to your fourth string guy who you cut coming out of training camp. Uh, you trade your first-round draft pick, mind you, for the first time since the Beatles were on tour. <laughs> <laughs> James Conner gets hurt. Juju Smith-Schuster gets hurt. To it gets hurt. Yeah, who? Yeah. this sounds crazy now with what, what T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick and Joe Hayden and Cam Hayward were able to accomplish down the stretch, but Stephon Tuitt, who was the Steelers' best player on defense through four or five weeks of the season, people forget that. That's a great point by you, Matt. Uh, all of that stuff considered, the, the long win streak, the three-game losing streak, the frustration to end the season, man, still to go 8-8, eight and eight, to be in the playoff hunt, to, and I think, too, you kind of alluded to this, but never losing that locker room. It would have been so easy for so many coaches, for so many teams to just punt on that season, to lose the locker room. Uh, and Tomlin never did. The Steelers never did. And that kind of, I think, the, even though they didn't make the playoffs – you know, even though they went from eight and five to not making the playoffs in the Steelers organization, that's always going to be looked upon as a failure, not a success, or and maybe not even as a failure, just as not being good enough is maybe the better way to put that. 
Yeah, and I think they, the irony behind now that they, they, is... yeah they play meaningful football through the whole season, and I don't think any even the most optimistic of us I don't think we expected that after week two when we found out Ben was going to be gone. The Steelers still to be playing meaningful football in week seventeen, and that's a testament to Tomlin. To end my long rant there. No, I, I totally agree, and I think the iron the ironic thing behind all of that is now with the added team in the post. I think we went back the last ten years. And the Steelers would have made the playoffs another five times if yep. that would have been the case. I mean, so, they'd be like the Penguins. They wouldn't have missed the playoffs for 13, 14 years. Right. And, and I think that that is a testament to, like, when they haven't made it, they've been right on the doorstep, obviously, Tomlin with no losing seasons in, in his history. And I, that's what gets me most frustrated about the Mike Tomlin thing is I just don't understand what Pittsburghers want and where is – that always that expectation that the grass is greener on the other side, the, the Dan Bosma's of the world aren't going to come <laughs> around all the time. Like the Penguins have got away with it twice and like we're due for making the wrong move right. as, as a city. And, and, you know, I, I just think that uh, people are, are have some expectations that are, that are far-fetched sometimes. Yeah. I think how quickly Matt people can forget, uh, before Ben, we'll call it uh, BB, right? The Steelers BB before Ben. Uh, when, when Bill Cowher and the Steelers had, what, I think uh, two or three non-winning seasons. They weren't losing seasons, but non-winning seasons in a row. When they obviously had the last time, this is crazy. This is how spoiled we've been as Steelers fans. Uh, the last time the Steelers played one of those meaningless Week 17 games was in 2003, 2004, the year before they drafted Big Ben. Wow. Like, that's insane. It is. And, and what's funny, too, quick side note, I don't know if you knew this, the, the Steelers went into that game with a 6-9 and nine record. <laughs> nice. There's your, there's your nice joke of the day. The Steelers well went into that week 17 in going to Baltimore against the Ravens, who had already clinched the division, who already had the playoffs wrapped up. Uh, they went into that week 17 game against the Ravens with nothing to play for either team. And Brian Billick uh, decided that because it was Steelers-Ravens, and this was still a more old-school time in the National Football League than now, uh, how quickly things can change in 15, 16, 17 years. Uh, but Brian Billick decided this is Steelers-Ravens. I want to beat these guys. We're not resting our players. And Brian Billick played his starters against the Steelers, even though they had nothing to play for, even though the Steelers had nothing to play for. That game ended up going into overtime. The Ravens won in overtime. They beat the Steelers in Baltimore week six or week 17 in overtime. That loss dropped the Steelers to 6-10, and 10, Matt. If the Ravens would have played their second and third stringers and the Steelers would have beat the Ravens that day, the Steelers would have ended up picking like 18th, 19th in the draft, <laughs> something like that. But instead, Brian Billick and the stubborn Ravens beat the Steelers in overtime. The Steelers move up to 11th in the draft, was it, I believe? In I believe you're right. That allowed them to select a quarterback out of some Mac school, Miami of Ohio, I think it was, Benjamin <laughs> Uh, Roethlisberger, I believe, was his I'm name. I'm familiar with his work. And, uh, and that kind of turned out all right for the Steelers. So maybe we should all be thanking Brian Billick in the long run. How about um, that? Yeah. So I, I don't know if a lot of Steelers fans remember that. But, man, that's how, like, that seems like an eternity ago. And that was the last time the Steelers really played. A, in that game, I guess, right, I could argue wasn't even meaningless. But that's how long it's been since the Steelers have played meaningless football in Week 17, like you alluded to, even the years where they haven't made the playoffs. They've been the seventh team. They've been the first team out, if you will, to, to steal a March term here. Um, they've been right there every year. It's crazy. Don't get me wrong. Mike Tomlin certainly has his things that you can criticize. Like yeah. every coach does. But I think, too, we forget this and how spoiled we are and just 
what the standard is here in Pittsburgh for all of our sports teams. I, I think particularly the Steelers and the Penguins have become like this. And, and Pittsburgh just has become a, – it's a winning town. We expect our teams to win. We expect our teams to contend. Man, Mike, you take Bill Belichick out of the equation. I think we can forget this. There's no other coach in the National Football League besides Bill Belichick that has more than one ring right now, Matt. Like, not yeah. one. And the same people that crushed Andy Reid for a decade now love Andy Reid and will tell you, oh, he's the second-best <laughs> coach. He's the second-best coach in the National Football League behind – behind Bill Belichick and, and, and what the 10 minutes in the fourth quarter was all it took to change those people's minds. Yeah. Um, I, I don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I don't want to sit here and make it sound like, and I, I'm sure you're the same way you echo this sentiment. Like every game, Mike Tomlin coaches is an a, a plus game. That's certainly not the case. Uh, but I think the whole grass is not always greener scenario always applies here. I think maybe there's a Jamie Dixon parallel to draw in there somewhere. I think there's certainly plenty of other parallels that you and I could find in the sports world outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, man, he's been here for a Baker's dozen seasons and has never had a losing year. I know he's had Ben Roethlisberger, and, and having a franchise quarterback is, is half the battle in the National Football League. But, man, that hasn't always been the case. If you look around the league at a lot of good quarterbacks who have missed the playoffs, who have had – their coaches fired uh, a, a, a Mike McCarthy and an Aaron Rodgers type situation. Yeah. Even Sean Payton, Matt, who people forget went seven and nine, three straight years in new Orleans. If that happened here in Pittsburgh, the Steelers had three straight losing seasons. Uh, people would be jumping off the Clemente bridge. You're right. You're <laughs> and even right. too, like Bill Cower, one ring, Tony Dungy, one ring, Paul Holmgren, one ring. And these are all great hall of fame, outstanding all time football coaches. Man, it's really hard to win in sports. You know this, Matt. But it's really hard, I think, even more so to win in the NFL where it's only a 16-game regular season. And the postseason is a best-of-one, a single-game elimination tournament where if you're the Baltimore Ravens and you play one game against the Titans where you turn the ball over four times on their half of the field and you lose the game, that's it. You're done. Season's over. I, I, I think, again, it, it, once Tomlin's gone and once Big Ben's gone, the, I think, small but vocal faction of Steelers fans who's never liked either of those guys, uh, I think they'll see that it, it can get much it, – it's much easier and much more likely, I think this is how I'll, I'll wrap it up, is that it, it's much more likely that things will get much worse after they leave than it is that things will get much better. I, yeah, I, I think it's almost a point that we, we've made a couple times on this show was – you know, where we're, it's kind of indicative of where we are as a society, social media wise. And, and we're, we're kind of more adapt to putting in, you know, it's, it's the classic, like LeBron MJ debate. We're like the most recent in your head, right. like right. people tend to go that way where it's like, well, you know, if you actually go back and look at things and I think to, to kind of put a bow on as, as far as my side of it, I think Cower deserves to be in only because, of the others that are, are already in. Right. But I, I but agree I with think you on the that. threshold was low. It was the bar was set too low to begin with. Yeah. I do think the and, threshold is getting lower and lower for hall of yeah. fames, which is again, a whole nother can of worms conversation. Right. So, I mean, you know, I, yeah, I think that you, and he's, I believe like 17 games away from tying cower with wins somewhere yeah. in that. Yeah. That he realm. stays for two more years and he should, he should do he that. Should be. Like, whereas now, like, Bill Cowher walks down the street in Pittsburgh and people would, like, shine his shoes. Absolutely. If he would, they would, they would wash his feet if they would let him. 
Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, same thing with Marc-Andre Fleury. Like the, oh, the, dude, the that's people. such a great example. <laughs> like, the same people that wanted to tar and feather him oh. now, now, like, cry on his behalf every time uh, Matt Murray they, plays a bad game. Right. And, and it's just like, you know, the, again, where, where we are – Yarmir right Yager. Of, Yarmir Yager is another great example, right? That's too. another good one. Yeah, completely loved, the completely hated to now. Whenever it will happen in the next year or two, uh, granted, if we ever get sports back, <laughs> it'll happen <laughs> in the next year or two uh, when Yager does retire from hockey. Uh, that he'll come back to Pittsburgh and get his number retired and all that. And Matt, I think, honest to God, man, I think it might be the hardest regular season ticket ever in the history of Pittsburgh to get whenever that finally does happen. Getting uh, back to the current Steelers, what do they do? What do you think they do with uh, their first pick, which is in the second round this year, if there is an NFL draft at some point? Yeah, you know what? I think they put themselves in a position, and this is what Kevin Colbert and company love to do. They like to go into the draft, Matt, where they can look at it and they can say, we don't have a singular pressing absolute gaping hole type need right Right. like that's what they like to do that's how they like to work free agency uh they don't want to handcuff themselves to having to take a position they don't want to handcuff themselves to not i mean you know other than than quarterback and some things like that to to okay we don't want to take this position um they want to have everything on the board they want to have as wide open of a board as possible to give themselves the most amount of options as possible Uh, This is something that has served them really well in the past. Um, You saw this when the Steelers selected Cam Hayward. Uh, I know this for a fact. Uh, I've had someone in the Steelers organization tell me before that the year that the Steelers drafted Cam Hayward, defensive end, defensive line wasn't even on their top three priorities on their big board. But the Cam Hayward rolled around at pick, I think that was the year, was that the year after they lost to the Packers in the Super Bowl, I believe, um, that Cam Hayward was drafted. So they had pick 31. Cam Hayward was 16th on the Steelers' big board. They had him as their 16th best-graded prospect in that draft, and he was still there when they picked at 31. So they had no intention, really, of drafting Cam Hayward, but when he was there at 16, they all looked around at each other in the draft room and said, we've got to take this guy. Like, 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 you know, the Steelers, who traditionally, Matt, and this is a good thing, they pick in the mid to late 20s. You know, they want to be picking in the 30s. Uh, you very rarely get those guys. It's why they jumped at an opportunity to get a Minka Fitzpatrick, to go up and get a Devin Bush, uh, because the Steelers rarely are able to nab those guys that they have such highly rated on their draft boards and they have such high draft grades on because they don't pick in that area. They don't have losing seasons. Um, so I think when pick 49 rolls around, which is their first pick uh, in the second round, I do truly think, I know it sounds cliche, but it's how the Steelers operate they're going to go best player available within some relative. If the best player available is a quarterback on their board, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback at two. It wouldn't shock me if they maybe took a quarterback in the third or fourth round. I don't think that's likely. It just wouldn't shock me, Uh, but they're not going to take a quarterback in the second round. I know a lot of people have said Jalen hurts and that it's just, it's just not going to happen. All right. Um, I I think that they will have a good choice of running backs. I I think there's a good chance that maybe not even a single tight end has come off the board yet. If so, maybe just one tight end's come off the board. Maybe the same with the running backs, maybe one or two off the board. I think there'll be some offensive linemen, strong offensive line class this year that they'll like there at pick 49. I think there could even be an edge guy. They could get to pick 49 and say there's a guy that they have ranked, you know, in the high thirties on their draft board, Matt, say that there's uh, whatever there's a, an edge guy from 
you know, from, from, I don't know, from Auburn that they have ranked it. And I'm not saying this and don't everybody think I have sources and go, go rush to the computer and look who are the edge guys from Auburn. That was just the first SEC school that came to my mind. Uh, but let's say maybe there's some Mac school, right? Because we know how much the Steelers love going into the Mac. They do. Um, say there's some Mac linebacker that they have 33rd on their big board. They think he's the 33rd best player in this draft and he's available at 49. Maybe they'll look around and they'll say, what if we can't get something done with Bud Dupree long-term? Uh, maybe we like this guy to replace Bud a year from now. Uh, that wouldn't shock me. I know that a lot of Steelers Nation would be shocked if they went out and took a, an edge, a pass-rushing type guy uh, in, with that pick at 49. But even more so, I think, when you consider Anthony Ciccolo's gone now, Matt, too. So behind uh, T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree at the edge position, at the outside linebacker position, whatever you want to label it, uh, they've got Ola Adaini. Uh, they've got Tuzar Skipper, some guys that have shown flashes of talent but really have no body of work in the NFL. Do you trust that guy to be your number three? Uh, do you trust those guys if, if Water Dupree get hurt to, to really take a bigger role? Uh, I don't know if the answer to that is yes at this point. In fact, I would wager money that the answer to that is probably no at this point. And, and, and they're not going to change their mind on that to at least training camp if we even have a training camp this year. <laughs> um, so I, I think in an ideal world, Matt, at 49, there's a running back or two that they really like. There's a tight end that they really like. There's an edge guy that they really like. And they get to sit there and they get to go, all right, who are we now? Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, that's kind of the struggle, at least for me. I was just having this conversation with somebody else the other day about, the running backs and I just think that the the running back room right now is too young in the sense of bringing in another rookie uh, right I almost feel like that they would be better off now you know cap room's an issue now so mm -hmm. I, I don't think that there's there's too many splash guys that they could bring in but it would be more interesting to me for them to bring in someone free agent wise from the running back side and and kind of be a you know one of those veteran leader type guys where you know he, he's going to maybe wake up that room because it just seems like that room needs something. Um, whether, whether it's just, whether it's a uh, more uh, medical training or <laughs> I'm not really sure it seems like everyone's getting hurt in, in that room too, but uh, I, that would be interesting to me. I, I feel like linebacker, I like your point on linebacker. I think that um, that's a good idea because I, I don't think that that Bud's going to be around much longer. Um, just because I, I, especially if he has the year that he did, this year, I, I don't know if the Steelers can pay him or will want to. And, um, you know, the, do they take a flyer on a receiver? I don't I, like, I'm not uh, by any stretch a, a draft expert, but as far as, you know, do they bolster that? Because I think we kind of got a little bit of a, a view of, you know, is, is Juju going to be that number one guy? Obviously he didn't have a full season of Ben Roethlisberger. That's, that's out there, but, I think that, you know, all those things kind of play into my mind. But, I, I yeah, I agree with that we'll eventually take a running back, but I'm, I'm questioning whether they do it in the second round just because that, that room's so young right now. But, as you alluded to, I, you know, they, they have been and continue to be a team that is going to pick the best player available. And if some of those guys that you alluded to are available, they're going to figure it out, whether that means they need to cut, cut somebody else to, to make room. So, yeah, I don't think it would shock me, too, either, now that we're kind of hashing this out and, and thinking this out in real time. If pick 49 was a defensive lineman, too, uh, with Hargrave gone right across the Commonwealth, 
He traded in his coleslaw and his french fries for cheese whiz. He's off to Philly. He pulled a Wes uh, Yoler. He, pull, he pulled a Wes Yoler. He's off to Philly for uh, for work reasons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's, t- he's taking his employment to Philadelphia. Uh, go go to Manny Young. Try the Manny Young Brewing Company. Great stuff. All right. <laughs> nice thing. Um, you know, we, we both know what Hayward and Tewitt are capable of. Pro bowlers, all pros. Uh, but they've both been a little prone to injury. They're both getting a little bit longer in the tooth. I know Tuit's still in his 20s, but he, he's not a, you know, a, a, a young guy anymore at the same time. Um, I think a lot of that depends, too, on if you, what, how do you feel about Isaiah Bugs? Uh, do, do they trust him to be able to take a bunch of snaps? I think, Matt, I think Dan McCullers is a guy who's been on scholarship for too long now. I think we could be seeing the end of his time in Pittsburgh. Um, so if there's, again, you know, a guy who's on their higher on their draft board, you know, who's in the thirties, who they is still there at 49 and they think this guy would be a great number three for us, you know, a Hargrave replacement who could end up being a starter in a few years. Uh, that wouldn't shock me either. So again, to kind of, you know, this whole conversation, kind of what we've been saying these, these last 10 or 20 minutes or so, I do think they've done a great job of putting themselves in a situation where, they will have a lot of options at pick 49. They won't be handcuffed. And again, as cliche as it sounds, they will truly be able to say, we think this is the best player. He fits a need. Let's take him. Are you uh, of the group that, that has kind of started to want this to maybe be James Connors make or break year, or, um, you know, he had one great year and he had one not so great year that obviously was injury prone. Where are you at with James Conner is because a lot of people are um, starting to the, – the story is starting to to take a negative turn for, for a lot of Steeler Nation, and, and I'm not so sure that – I feel like it's a little bit premature for you on that. I agree with you that I do think it's a little bit premature, the people that are already writing him off. Um, but I do think at the same time there's a little bit of that whole – you know, the whole definition of insanity thing, right, is doing, yes. the, same, doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Like, I think – Anybody who's expecting James Conner to play 16 games for the Steelers, having double-digit carries a game, is 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 maybe you know uh, going through a little insanity there. Um, <laughs> even the season right two years ago when he had his great Pro Bowl year, he still did miss some games due to health. He had some games where um, you know he he couldn't finish the game or where he only had eight nine carries um, because of some injury stuff like that. So that's my only thing, Matt, is no, I don't want him. I don't want to write him off. I still want the Steelers to plan for him to be a part of the offense coming into this season. I, you know, for his sake, I would love it if he was able to have a really good year and in a way kind of priced himself out of Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Like that would be, that would be good for him. Um, And I just hope running backs in general are able to do that because backs get paid instead of getting used and abused and, you know, kind of chewed up and spit out like we've seen with a lot of running backs. Right. Perfect example. Um, So I would like that for James Conner as well, too. And obviously, he's just an amazing story. I want to see that continue. Um, But I also, again, I don't want to see the Steelers be insane. I don't want the Steelers to come into training camp um, without a plan B, if you will, if that makes sense. Right. Like if they don't think Benny Snell is capable of being if they look at Benny Snell as a guy who can be a really nice piece right? But he's still only a second year guy and we need him to get a little bit better and he can't be the guy. I, I would like the Steelers to add, like you said, you know, somebody who's been around for a little bit, or if there's, you know, if they're confident that they can get a, 
a J.K. Dobbins or a DeAndre Swift or a Jonathan Taylor or, or the guy, I think it's Kruger Hill or whatever his name is from LSU, um, if they're confident they can get one of those guys at 49 and those guys can come in and have a, um, you know, like you saw the impact that Mon- a guy who was picked in the 40s, you know, like Montgomery from the Bills last year, uh, who was able to impact as a second round rookie at running back. We've seen a lot of those examples, right? Now, Alvin Kamara was picked in the third round, came in right away, had success. Uh, Dalvin Cook picked in the second round, came in right away, had success. We've seen a lot of those in the national heck Lev Bell. I mean, we saw that here in Pittsburgh was not a, was not a first round guy. Um, you can get really good running backs in the second and third round, and you can get guys who are going to produce right away in the second and third round. I think that's best case scenario for the Steelers uh, in terms of how they come out of the draft. But again, I am not Kevin Colbert and I don't, I'm not Mike Tomlin and I don't pretend to be, I'm not Brandon Hunt, the director of pro scouting. Um, those guys so much more important to us though. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, you're going to get Kevin Colbert on the podcast. You're going to get me on the podcast. (laughs) You know, he's, he's, uh, he's day to day. Like his contract is year to year. I do. That is the one thing, Matt, that I will plant my flag firmly in. Um, and, and we can revisit this tape two, three, four years from now. And I'll say Nana, Nana, boo, boo. I told you guys is that all the Steelers fans who complain now about Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger and, and Randy Feetner and, 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 and Butler and all these guys, right? The, the, two, the two coordinators. And, and I mean, they, they complain about everybody, right? Right. Uh, three, four years from now, you'll be missing those guys. And the same people who are complaining, right? The people that look at Kevin Colbert's misses in the draft, like every GM doesn't have those. Um, like, like even John Lynch, who's built an incredible roster in San Francisco, didn't take Solomon Thomas third overall a couple years ago. <laughs> like, like yeah. even, like even that guy, even those guys haven't had their misses. Like these people that people, like they look, Oh, look at what these GMs have done and not, you know, mentioning that those guys have also picked in the top 10 a lot more than Kevin Colbert and company had. Uh, we're going to miss those guys three, four, five years from now, whenever it will be. Um, and, and I think, you know, we will, we will definitely see that because I will tell you this, Matt, maybe this is a good kind of, we can start to put a bow on things here. Um, I do know this and I'm not going to name any names, but I know that there's, and I'm sure there's some that you can kind of assume with, with their age and things that they've said publicly too. Um, there, there's a, a big one, but there's some smaller ones too. Steelers organization from the front office, uh, to personnel, to scouts, to coaches, um, to cafeteria workers, to a lot of people in the Steelers organization, people who work in, in content or in training all over the Steelers organization and finance, who they kind of, they think, all right, we've got another year, two years, maybe three years here with Ben, right? Where we really think we've got a chance to win with this defense, with some of the pieces and the core that we have in place right now, with Mike Tomlin, with Kevin Colbert, with that continuity, there's a lot of people in the Steelers organization, again, directly involved in football operations and just within the organization, cafeteria workers that are thinking retirement's pretty close. <laughs> like, like, like when, 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 when Ben, and it's, that's no joke with Kevin Colbert, right? He said that he said, he's doing this thing year to year. He's in his sixties. His kids are all grown up. He's got grandkids. He's starting to see the, you know, the final stage of life. He, he's, he's much closer to the 18th green, right. Than he is to, to teeing off on the front nine. Yep. Um, there's a lot of people like that in the Steelers organization right now, Matt, that's what I'll tell you. There's a lot of people that think, you know what, I'm going to give it another two years. I'm going to see if we can make another run at another one of these Lombardis. 
And then after that, I'm done. There is going to be in about, you know, two, three years from now, I think a ton of turnover in the Steelers organization from a personnel standpoint, from a ops standpoint, front office, roster, like I said, cafeteria workers, people who work in communications, whatever it may be. Um, enjoy it now because the continuity that the Steelers have had from Rooney's to Colbert's to Tomlin to Roethlisberger, man, it's rare. It's so rare. And, and I, again, I think three, four years from now, we'll all be looking back and saying, man, we were spoiled. Man, I would take that again. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I w- you wonder if they'll be able to to keep it smoothed over as you know as long as they've been able to do it from Newell to Cower. It's to incredible. Tomlin. I mean, it's, it's, it's really bizarre, it, dude. It's it's insane. I mean, three coaches. I mean, yeah. since since the Beatles, three coaches. Paul McCartney's played in more bands since then. <laughs> like I mean, <laughs> I mean, the Browns have had more coaches than that in the last three years. No question about it. Uh, great insight from Wes, as always. Wes, thanks so much for, for taking some time out. Steeler Nation Radio, ESPN Pittsburgh. When are you on the air again next once you're out of quarantine? Um, so <laughs> starting here. <laughs> starting here. <laughs> Loaded question. Starting here in early April, I should be on the air again regularly. Um, okay. I will be broadcasting. I'm not sure. I definitely won't be in Vegas, but I will be broadcasting for three days. Uh, like four hours a day during the NFL draft in April in a couple weeks, in a few weeks here. And then, uh, again, all this all depends on schedule, but if OTAs start in May, um, Motes and I, that's when our regular show, the show that I do with Arthur Motes, comes back, uh, which is noon to two every single weekday, and we do that May through the, you know, through the Super Bowl. Um, so for now, you can catch me on Steelers Nation Radio kind of intermittently. You'll catch me there in the loop there. Of, of all the content that we play back during the off season, but I'll, I'll be back sooner than later, buddy. <laughs> and if you're a, uh, I'm not really excited to do this, but oh, here if you're go. a WVU yes, fan, plug it, baby. <laughs> years and beers podcast. Yep. With and, uh, yourself and Adam Crowley. Listen, I don't like to brag Matt Fargo, but it is the best WVU sports podcast. Uh, ears and beers. We talk about the Mountaineers. We talk about beers. Uh, if you are a Pat, this is how we like to say it, right? If you are a Pat White era WVU fan, um, you know, if you're somebody who's in your, your 20s or your 30s or your 40s um, and you like drinking beers and you like the Mountaineers, yeah, give our podcast a download uh, because what else you got to do right now, Fargo? I mean, come on, you're just sitting around the house. <laughs> listen anyway. to this podcast and listen to your podcast. And <laughs> no, but this was a lot of fun, buddy. We've been, we've been, we've been uh, chatting for a while. It's good catching up with you. I hope everything's well with you too. Uh, always fun talking with you, man. I love doing this. You're, you're very good at this. You're very talented. And I uh, hope all is well with you and the family and with your mom as well, obviously. No, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, mom's doing well. Uh, just recently got the word that she's in remission. So Love it. Really, really excited about that. Appreciate Needed that. that good news, baby. Needed it. Yeah. And, and Wes, sentiment goes the same. Pretty cool to, to, to see us kind of uh, crawl up the, uh, the stairs of the business That's kind right. of together. and. Uh, it's been uh, it's been fun to watch uh, whether it's you know doing uh, Warriors games or whatever that team was <laughs> the games and Phantom Wolf. games and yeah those games all those games no it's been it's been fun and hopefully I keep this thing rolling and, and we'll have you on throughout the season to talk some more lures once uh, things go back to normal yeah anytime buddy and hopefully there will be a training camp in Latrobe in July and I will see you there. <laughs> and maybe we'll see you on Hard Knocks. Here, well, here's the hoping. Here's the hoping. <laughs> <laughs>
Wes Euler joining us on the Matt Fargo show. Appreciate him.